The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Just the second clunker of the season for the Royals as they are dominated tonight by two Jessies and a Josh. Losing 5-0 to the A's in Game 2 of this three-game set at Kauffman Stadium. And hello, we're glad you're along for a Saturday evening edition of The Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo with you. After this 5-0 Oakland win that the Royals were never a part of after... That top of the fourth inning, the A's moved to 6-6 six and six on the season. KC still off to a great start at 8-3 and three with the rubber match tomorrow. We'll preview the rubber match here in a little bit tomorrow. We'll also talk about the complete domination tonight by Oakland, the benches clearing, some postgame threats, some trash being talked by Josh Reddick, a couple roster moves today. We'll get to all that as well, but first, want to award our player of the game, a guy who, speaking of roster moves, was called up. Just before the game today, as Greg Holland went on the DL with the strained pectoral, Holland probably out for right at 15 days, I would assume. Maybe needs one or two appearances in the minor leagues, maybe. But Johan Pino is our player of the game. He's on the 40. He's called up. Royals signed him, of course, over the offseason, the guy we've seen in the past with the Minnesota Twins. And Pino completely saved the Royals' bullpen in this one. Just three and a third innings from Jordano Ventura, of course which we'll get to here in a second. And then Pino comes in and saves the day. Four and two-third scoreless innings. So he saved the bullpen, technically gave his team a chance to win at that point in the game, down five there. You know, with still, what, six of bats left? Royals still had a, a shot if they, if they could find somebody to hold down Oakland, which Pino did. No runs on three hits. No walks. Struck out three. Beautiful to see that. Franklin Morales comes in, adds a scoreless ninth with one hit and a K. And that means the Royals' bullpen is 100% available tomorrow, except for Pino. It's been now three days since Chris Young threw the three innings, so he'll be good to go tomorrow. Morales can bounce back. Everybody else out there is available except for Pino tomorrow. So that was big to see him do that. Now, the play of the game tonight, it also involves Josh Reddick, a guy who talks some trash after this game. Hence the two Jessies and the Josh beating us. Jesse Hahn, of course, shutting down the Royals before the blister popped up. Jesse Chavez, the former Royals, shut us down. And then the Josh. Josh Reddick, a three-run home run off of Jordano Ventura, which ended the game effectively. The Royals were down 2-0 in that fourth inning. Became a five-run frame after the three-run, no-doubt, home run off of the fastball there. The third pitch of the at-bat. Driving in or driving in, Ike Davis and Billy Butler. They made it five nothing, and then of course the fireworks happened. Your Donald Ventura just two pitches later, and you could totally see this coming. First pitch of the at bat. Well, you know, taking a, a step back here, Ventura looked really good the first three innings. Faced the minimum, through three. First time up, Josh Reddick grounded out. You figure the Royals probably wouldn't throw at him his first at bat. That'd be way too obvious. And it would be interesting to know if, if Jim Joyce really would have thrown out Ventura had he not given up the home run. After the game, Joyce said it's because of the home run that they ejected Ventura without a warning. Well, what about Jeff Samarja when he gave up a home run? First pitch, drilled Lorenzo Cain after that Mike Moustakis home run opening day. He didn't get thrown out. Plus, it wasn't the first pitch after the home run. It was a second. But obviously, it was on purpose. I mean, you could see Ventura trying to sell it beforehand. He threw that breaking ball on pitch number one of the second at bat there in the fourth to Josh Reddick, bounced it low and away. Starts flexing his arm, trying to act like he's, you know, talking to himself about his mechanics. Oh, I need to repeat. Oh, do this. You knew right then the fastball was coming at <laughs> at Brett Laurie, that next pitch, and it did. Drilling Brett Laurie 99 miles an hour in the elbow. 
which I thought was an appropriate and nice response by Ventura. I, I didn't love how he kind of chirped a little bit because, because you know, give Brett Laurie some credit. He did drop the bat, jogged to first base, didn't even look at Ventura, didn't say anything. He took it like a pro. And I'll give him credit for that because, as we talked about last night, if you're going to say you're playing the game the right way and that's why you went in so hard, cleats up to Escobar on the force play, it's still the wrong play by him. He had plenty of base to slide into. There's no argument there. There's no excuse there. It was not a double play ball, so he, you know, he wasn't trying to break up a double play, even though he claims he was. I mean, if you're going to do that but still claim you're playing the game the right way, you're playing it old school, well, then you have to be able to take the fastball in the arm or the ribs the next day, which he did. Took it, ran to first base. As far as I'm concerned, that ended things. They tossed Yordano out, of course, even though he tried to pull the mechanic thing, <laughs> the pitch before that. If you go back and watch it, it's pretty obvious. You can see it coming beforehand. But give Ventura credit and give the Royals credit. They handled it the right way. They didn't throw it in his head. There was nothing dangerous that the Royals did there, and that was good to see. You know, Because some, some guys will throw at your head. We've seen Carlos Carrasco from Cleveland do that to Billy Butler in the past. And, and other times. It's just one time that jumps to mind. Now, Ventura, did he handle it the best after he hit Laurie? Probably not. Probably shouldn't have talked. Just, you know, you're, you're thrown out of the game, walk off the field. Whatever. He's still a young kid. And I don't buy the whole stuff that he self-destructed and did it because of the home run. Not at all. That was planned. That was going to happen whether that was a three-run home run or not. Unless their bases were loaded. If there was an open base there in that situation and at least one out, Brett Laurie was going down in that second at bat because there was no guarantee Ventura would see him again. He was going down. Ventura was going to protect his teammate for sure. And that's why the Royals and Ned Yost downplayed it last night and said it was not dirty, not malicious. They wanted to kind of cover themselves for the next day. No doubt about that. I don't believe Ned Yost was happy with that play. I don't believe he really totally thought it was clean. He may not have thought it was malicious, but I don't think he thought it was totally clean. So Ventura, I don't buy this stuff. You hear some people saying he's immature for hitting him. Not at all. Maybe a little bit of immaturity from talking and the stare down with Trout that we saw in the last start. But right there, I've got no problem with him hitting him after a three-run home run. Who cares? A couple outs. Well, sorry, one out, but... Nobody on base. The game's already 5 nothing. You may not see him again. I'm fine with that. He was going to do that no matter what. That had nothing to do with the home run. Now, after the game, Josh Reddick, who hit the blast one batter earlier there in the fourth inning to make it 5 nothing off of Ventura, starts chirping. Quote, Ventura is just a thrower, not a pitcher. Okay? Quote, that was Bush League. Okay? Quote, this might not be over. When they come to Oakland, well, why not tomorrow? We play again tomorrow. Why wait till Oakland? I think Reddick's just talking. I mean, and, and one last time before we let this go, why is Oakland acting like it's the Royals' fault that the Royals started something? The Royals lost arguably their second most important player next to Salvador Perez, their shortstop, Alcides Escobar, their leadoff hitter, a guy that's hitting 400, getting on base, gold glove defender. He got injured. At the very least, on a questionable play. Nobody can say that was 100% clean with him giving part of the base to Laurie, with him not trying to turn two, with Laurie coming, cleats up going directly into him as hard as he could away from the base. I mean, and he didn't hit Laurie in the head today. It'd be one thing if he threw it his head or something and tried to injure him. He didn't. He hit him to send the message, protect his team, it's over. So I don't understand. I mean, would the A's not do the same thing had the Royals bowled into Marcus Simeon? What if the Royals would have done the exact same thing to the A's shortstop or second baseman? Oakland wouldn't care. They'd just be like, okay, that's cool. We're not going to hit anybody. Give me a freaking break, Reddick. Shut up. Let it go. I don't think it, I think it is over. Nothing's going to come from that now. 
Now, one other you know stat for you on the hit batters this year. The Royals have been hit 13 times. They've hit three opponents. Yet the Royals have had a pitcher ejected, not the opposition. Just remember that. 13 to 3. It's got to make your blood boil a little bit, doesn't it? Now, another thing that happened that we don't want to overlook that was that kind of signaled to me that it could possibly be not the Royals night was before that top of the fourth inning bottom of the third Omar Infante hits the gap and in left center gets the double and then goes to third on the throwing error by Sam Fold third base nobody out Royals have to score a run there obviously against Jesse Hahn who was by the way excellent tonight the Royals saw him for the first time the 6-5 variety that came over from the Padres. It was real impressed with the sink he had in his fastball. We didn't see the breaking ball too much. I'd read a scouting report from talking to a scout that he had a big-time curveball, but maybe he would have brought that out later in the game had he got longer or had he needed it more. Because the Royals were hacking and chasing some not-so-great pitches up there tonight. Not a good approach tonight by the Royals. But the Royals didn't get that run home from third base. Bad at-bats by Colon and Orlando. Moose did smoke a ball with two outs. Maybe the hardest ball the Royals hit all night until the, until the ninth when Alex Gordon got that double. Didn't score him, and then, you know, bam, five runs the next half inning, and that's all that she wrote. Now, the good news tonight, Alex Gordon, we talked about him last night being back. Another two-hit game, another multi-hit game for Gordo. Two for four tonight, including that smoke job double off the right field fence and missed being a home run by about eight feet. Eric Hosmer, the only other Royal with two hits tonight. Just not much going on offensively. Jesse Chavez, you know, one Jesse to the other picked up for Jesse Hahn. The Royals couldn't touch him. Former Royal himself, Jesse Chavez. And let's talk about the other roster move today before we get to previewing tomorrow. Overall, I'm just going to leave it at that. There's not much to talk about with this game. Had there not been fireworks in this game and some people talking, there really would be almost nothing to talk about in this game. It's just, it's just whatever. Nobody's ever going to remember this game outside of the hit batter. Nothing really else happened tonight. So the other roster move besides, obviously, Pino coming up with Holland going on the DL. I'm surprised. I really thought the Royals were going to put Tim Collins on the 60 and send Fuentes down. I was right on that. I knew Raymond Fuentes was going down, but I thought they were going to bring up Ryan Jackson at shortstop. But, however, I also didn't realize that Escobar's probably going to play you know, on tomorrow. The fact that he's ready a day and a half later makes sense why they wouldn't bring up Jackson because you have to send him back down through waivers after that. So it makes sense that they bring up a guy already on the 40. Orlando Calixte gets called up, and I would be shocked if he plays tomorrow. Decent chance he's shuttled back to the minor leagues by the time the Royals go on the road trip again. But it's Orlando Calixte up, a guy who can hit a little bit, not ready for the big leagues, hitting or defensively, defensively especially. I've seen him play several times. A couple times last year in Northwest Arkansas, I was not impressed at all defensively. He's got, got a ways to go, but definitely a guy with some upside. I do like Orlando Calixte a lot, a guy with a lot of upside. Now, speaking about tomorrow... We've got to get Salvador Perez a day off, right? You have to. Seriously, the, the season's, you know, I mean, come on. For 11 games in, he's got to have a day off, doesn't he? I mean, you saw him tonight even a little bit with the first pitch hacking and, and striking out on pitches way outside. The same approach that the Royals said, that was from fatigue last year is what Nedio said. I mean, if that's, and, 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 I, and I'm, trust me, I wear he had three hits last night, so. I'm not trying to overreact here, but the guy's got to get a day off tomorrow. Especially with Danny Duffy on the mound. I think him and Kratzy would work well together. It's Duffy against Scott Kazmir in the rubber game. Royals, of course, 0-1 so far this year in rubber games after dominating last year. Lost to the Twins in that rubber game on Thursday. Duffy and Kazmir. Now, Kazmir has been lights out this year. His whip and ERA, both 0-6-9. Struck out 18 in 13 innings. Almost a hitter and a half per inning. Only four hits allowed in 13 innings. 
for Scott Casimir. The Royals did beat him 3-0 last year when Jason Vargas threw a shutout at the K. So they've got that going for him. He did throw seven innings that day. Three runs on seven hits for Casimir. On that day at Kauffman Stadium, August 13th, he struck out three, walk one. The Royals with Danny Duffy, who not real good in his first start, better, not great in his second start. So we'll be looking for a good outing from Duff tomorrow. I, I still think Oakland probably has the edge tomorrow in this matchup, obviously, with Casimir. But the Royals could easily win. Obviously. I mean, it's baseball. Anything's possible. We'll see what happens. It's kind of a big game. I mean, the Royals are still 8-4 and four if they lose. It's still 666 ball, and they've got the Twins coming to town. But if they lose tomorrow, they get themselves in a spot where they have to win two out of three from the Twins, and you almost feel like a sweep's in order. Just because at that point, you've lost four of six if you lose tomorrow, which is not the best place to be in after starting 7-0. and But thankfully, the Royals did start that way, and they do have a lot of injuries right now. And, of course, teams are going to lose series throughout the season. So we'll see what happens. We'll be joined by uh, Clubhouse Conversation insider Jake Lutz tomorrow, as we are every single Sunday here on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight, and we will talk to you again after the Sunday one. It could be a long day at the K, so if you're heading out there, bring your umbrellas, your rain jackets, your ponchos. Uh, Oakland does not come back this year, so I would assume they'll do everything they can to get this game in tomorrow so that both teams don't lose an off day later on in the season. Go Royals, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on Clubhouse Conversation.